Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today and for downloading and for listening to all the great podcasts that we've had out this year so far. And today's podcast is no different. I'm thrilled to have been able to sit down and speak with Lolly Daskal. She is one of the most sought-after executive leadership coaches in the world. Her extensive cross-cultural expertise spans 14 countries, six languages, and hundreds of companies. As founder and CEO of Lead From Within, her proprietary leadership program is engineered to be a catalyst for leaders who want to enhance performance and make a meaningful difference in their companies, their lives, and the world. Based on a mix of modern philosophy, science, and nearly 30 years coaching top executives, Lolly's perspective on leadership continues to break new ground and produce exceptional results. Of her many awards and accolades, Lolly was designated a top 50 leadership and management expert by Inc. Magazine. Her writing has appeared in the Harvard Business Review, Inc.com, Fast Company, Huffington Post, and Psychology Today, among others. And Lolly's proprietary insights are the subject of her brand new book, The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness. And it is available for pre-order right now if you go to theleadershipgapbook.com. And I'm also thrilled to announce that this year for the Women in PT Summit, if you sign up for the summit in person, you will get a copy of her book, plus a lot of other free goodies online, a lot of other free online goodies courtesy of Lolly. So I thank her so much for being so generous with our uh, future leaders in, in physical therapy and for all of the people who will be signing up to come to New York City in September, on September 23rd for the Women in PT Summit. So thanks so much for Lolly for uh, giving us some free goodies and everyone will get a copy of her new book. So really, really happy about that. So what do we talk about in this episode? So we do talk about her book, The Leadership Gap and Shifting Concepts of Leadership. We talk about Lolly's Rethink System, which celebrates all archetypes and shadow traits of leaders taking advantage of leadership gaps created by the imposter syndrome, which we all have, I know I do, Uh, making the leap from good to great leadership, it can be done, and so much more. So again, a huge thanks to Lolly. You can find all of her information, uh, her Twitter feed, her website, where to buy the book. Everything will be in the show notes over at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com for this episode. So make sure you go over there click on, buy a book, unless you're planning on coming to the Women in PT Summit, because then you will get one of her, you will get her new book, which is very exciting. Um, And after I think you listen to her speak in the podcast today, I think you're going to want to buy the book. I know I'm super excited. I can't wait to get my hands on, on her new book because she's got so much passion and she's present and you can just 
feel it. It just oozes out of her, even uh, on this podcast. So uh, I hope that you all enjoy it and you get a little more insight into what it means to be a, a great leader and how to step into leadership roles. So a huge thanks to Lolly Daskal and a huge thanks to all of you for tuning in and listening in today's special episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. So enjoy. Hi, Lolly. Welcome to the podcast. I'm honored to have you on. And Karen, I'm honored to be here. Well, I, you know, I think I've said this to you, but I've been following you on social media and following your writings for a long time. So, so this is just great. This is great for me. So thank you so much. And I think I'd love to get this conversation started off by saying you've been in the leadership game for, for quite some time. So over those years, how has the concept of leadership changed? So when I first started out over three decades ago, leadership was very defined as I am in power, I am in charge, it's my way or the highway. And it was that it was like that for a long time. Um, money was greedy, big business. How can I get more of out of you? It was it had a very um, sinister kind of leadership. The the taste of it, the feel for it, and my company's called Lead from Within. So over three decades ago, I was preaching the message that. It's all about us, that all of us can be leaders. And you can imagine how many boardrooms and how many companies I got kicked out of and people were laughing at me. What do you mean everybody's a leader? No, I employ that person and it's my way or the highway and they have to listen to me. And so I took myself to Europe for a while and taught the the realm and the taste and the feel of leadership that meant I lead from within. And they really liked it. They took to it um, like a light, to a moth, a moth to a light. They liked it. They they liked the concept. And I would say like 10 years ago, um, back in America, things started to shift a little bit. It was more like conscious capitalism, to be more conscious. We were more enlightened in leadership. So my heart-based leadership message was, I was more, invi- I was, it was invited. And I would say in the past five years, I was very in vogue. The lead from within, people were embracing it, um, came out authentic leadership, character leadership, value-based leadership. Everybody was talking about emotional intelligence. It became very vogue and very exciting. But now I've seen another turn. Around six, seven months ago, eight months ago, things started to change in business and leadership. And it feels a lot like the early, like the late 1979, 80s, where we were talking about leadership and greed and leadership is about me and I, it's all about me. And most of my clients are saying, thank God we have this new climate of leadership because I'm making more money and I'm making a lot of money. Did this new, you know, president make me a lot of money? You bet. And do they look at leadership in a different way? Absolutely. And it's very subtle changes. And I feel like we're going a little bit backwards instead of forwards. Yeah, it does sound like like a trip back. And is that because of obviously glo- global climate, global politics, people's attitudes? How is it sort of the perfect storm that all came together at once? 
So I, it's a great question what you're asking. I truly believe as much as we like to admit it, we say, no, we don't do that. But we emulate those in power. We emulate the climate of those that are leaders. And so if the leader, the person that you're looking up to and the person that's your leader is acting a certain way, it almost maybe gives you permission to be a certain way. But if someone's leading from very high standards, you want to lead from very high standards too. And so we tend to lead with the herd. You know, Mm -hmm. Nietzsche talked Mm -hmm. a lot about this is where we, if they're doing it, I'm going to do it. And right now, a lot of they are doing it is not really the kind of leadership that gets us the greatness that I like to talk about. It gets us into our gaps. It gets us into our, the leadership gaps that I talk about, which ends up costing us. And, you know, whenever I think of leadership and I hear people talk about leadership, they say some of the most important qualities or the best qualities of a leader are those that are self, who have good self-awareness, those with high emotional IQ. You sort of touched on that before. And it seems to me if we're going backwards in this sort of leadership revolution, does that then not have the sustainability for the long term if you're missing out on a lot of these key qualities? So it's a great question that you're asking me, but I think that I think this will be temporary. I think people will see that they don't really want a leader that leads from his leadership gap. They don't admire it. They don't like it. And if you have a leader that's very self-serving and they think they have all the power. In my new book, The Leadership Gap, actually, one of the archetypes I talk about is a difference between a leader that is serves others and a leader that is self-serving. The self-serving leader might last for a while, but they won't last forever because nobody really likes that kind of climate. So even though we have this now and there's been a shift, people are rumbling. People are grumbling. Yes, they're making a lot of money, but they don't admire that kind of leadership and they won't stand for it too long. I think we've we've had a taste for other kinds of leadership that we want more of it. And I think we'll get rid of this really soon. Maybe not as quickly as we want, but there will be a shift. And, you know, it sounds like you, you were decades ahead with your leadership model, right? So where, where did the inspiration come for that model? So I am not decades ahead as much as I'm a great listener, observer, and synthesizer of a message. Way back in philosophy, everything was about, even before emotional intelligence, everything began from within. Everything from Aristotle, everything from Socrates always talks about it begins from within. And that really spoke to me as when I was studying philosophy, and I really felt that there was something very, very important here. And so this, the company that I created, Lead From Within, over three decades ago, was based on that philosophy. And I was, you know, I recently attended a panel where they said, what's new in leadership? And I said, nothing. We have to go back to those sages that have said from the beginning what leadership is really about. It begins from within. I mean, I was clever enough to call my company Lead From Within, but I didn't start it, that's for sure. And the thing is, we've lost it along the way. I think we've lost it now in our time of where we are in the climate of leadership, but we'll go back. We always go back. 
And what can we do to get back to that? What can we do as as people and, and maybe leaders in our respective professions to to kind of get back to that type of leadership? What kind of actions can we take? So that's another great question. So in my book, The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness, I subscribe and prescribe and talk about a system that I've come up with and I've been using it for over three decades with leaders and it gives you a choice in the book. Do you want to stand in your greatness or do you want to lead from your gaps? And when you know the difference of which each means, then guess what? You will go back to the greatness because the person that leads from their gaps, the leader that leads from their gaps has some certain ailments. They have stomach aches, they have headaches, they have heart disease, they don't feel good, they feel out of their body, they feel stuck, they have a yearning, they have a longing. There's always something that is unrestful within them. Either it's soulful, physical, or mental, they have that. And so even though they might come across as they are in leadership positions, most of them are true, very unhealthy people. And when you say, you know, they're leading from their gaps, can you give an example of that, what, what exactly that means? So in my book, I talk about seven archetypes. And so I'll describe the first archetype out of this. It's a rethink system, which is rethink has seven letters. And so the first letter of the rethink system is the rebel. The rebel is someone who wants to make a significant difference in the world. They want to make an impact in the world. And that could mean different things to different people. It could mean starting a company. It could mean being a service to others. It could mean just being charitable to others. But it makes a difference in the world. And in order to do that, in order to do something very significant, you have to have confidence. You have to be the kind of person that really knows what they're doing in order to make that difference, in order to make that impact. Now, most people will think that confidence means saying a thousand affirmations a day and then they'll be confident. And the truth is, that's not what confidence is. Confidence is your capabilities plus your competence equal your confidence. What that means is, is that the skills that you're really good at, the um, talents that you have, things that you have mastered, that people say, wow, Karen, you really do that great. That You're really good at that. That is where we get our confidence. Because I believe that confidence is believing you're able. But when you have competence, when you know your competence, competence you know you're able. So believing you might not take an action, but when you know you're able to do something, that's when you become the rebel, that's when you take action. But for every single rebel that is out there that has confidence, there is a gap, there's a leadership gap. And my research shows that 99.1% suffers from this. And it's the imposter syndrome. I was the just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the imposter has self-doubt. They say, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough. I don't even know. You know your own messages. We all suffer from it. And you can imagine when you suffer from the gap and you have self-doubt and you feel like an imposter, you're not doing 
what you're supposed to be doing in the world. You're not starting that business. You're not healing someone. You're not serving someone because you don't feel you can do it. Whatever reason it is, you feel like an imposter. And there are many reasons for many different things. So that's the gap and that is the greatness. And that's why it's so important for us to realize the difference and for us to make those choices. Who do we want to be? The the leader that leads from greatness or the leader who leads from their gaps. Yeah. And, you know, imposter syndrome, it always amazes me. Um, And I know that that's something that I suffer with, you know, that kind of creeps into my brain every once in a while. Like, what what am I doing here? Mm. So I teach in my book how to leverage that imposter syndrome because I believe that we are both things. We have confidence and we have self-doubt. You can't just be one-sided person. You can't just be somebody who's confident without having some self-doubt. It's mm-hmm. like you need the dark to have the light. You need the good to recognize the bad. And so if we have self-doubt, I just say learn how to leverage it. And I give you a whole bunch of ways how to leverage it in my book because I want you to be a whole, complete person. Um, and I, before you said, uh, you mentioned there are sort of seven archetypes that you – the that you have identified using the acronym Rethink, which I think is great. Which one, what's most important? Are they all important? Is there a hierarchical uh, setup to that? So what makes this book different, there are three things that make this book different. Number one is, is that, yes, there are seven archetypes, but this is not like Strength Finders or Discs or the Enneagram. It's none of those. It's not that kind of a book. What makes this book different is is that these archetypes are situational, that at any given moment, whatever we're encountering in our lives, whatever conversation we're having, whatever we're doing, whatever challenge, crisis, whatever situation, we can choose which archetype to be and which archetype we need to lean into. And that's what makes it so important. And that's what makes it so different. There's a lot of books out there that talk about your strengths and your skills and your talents. This book celebrates all of you. It celebrates the sum of all the things of who you are, not just parts of you, all of you. And most books, um, another thing about this book is so different is that Most books will tell you how to do things, when to do them, why to do them. This book is different. It tells you who you need to be. At any given moment, you can choose the who. And I think the who is most important because it gives you that awareness. And that's why it's so imperative. And I mean, that just sounds like a much more doable way to be, I guess. I don't know how else to explain it versus following like a formula. Because I guess in being a person, there's really no formula to follow. No, because think about it the think about it this way. Think about all the clients you have, right? Mm-hmm. With each client, you have to bring a different part of who you are to that client. Maybe sometimes you have a client where you need to be a truth teller. You need to tell them the truth. Maybe sometimes you need to be brave in order to do something with them so they can see that they shouldn't be fearless. Maybe, you know, this is all if you know this system, you could ask yourself with every client, who do I need to be? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you're all of those people. You're all of these archetypes. Now, I want to talk about these archetypes. I want to give you some insight into these archetypes. I did not just make this out of thin air. What was happening was I was traveling around the world and I was coaching leaders from every part of the four corners of the earth. And it didn't matter if I was in Switzerland, the Netherlands, Asia, the United States. 
there was a pattern that was that was happening within all my clients. Everybody was talking about, I have confidence, but you know what? Sometimes I don't have it. I have this imposter within me. You know, sometimes I speak with truth, but sometimes I don't. And sometimes I serve people and sometimes I'm self-serving. They kept telling me these things over and over again. And when I saw this pattern emerging and it turned out they were virtues, they were seven virtues, you know, confidence, intuition, there was candor, courage, integrity, trust, and loyalty. These were the seven things that were coming up. And from that, I created these personas, these archetypes, so people can understand who they need to be. But it's not something that I just made up. It's something that people were showing them, showing me that was within them. And guess what? They were within me too. I, mm-hmm. I saw within myself. And, and it doesn't matter. And I think the other thing people confuse about leadership is that you don't have to lead a huge company, right? You don't have to be a department head or something like that. You can be a leader, like you kind of like you said, within yourself and for yourself. So I want to talk about the definition of leadership because I get asked this a lot, and I think mm-hmm. it's important to preface this here. For me, the definition of a leader is if you're impacting someone, if you're influencing someone, if you're advising someone, if people come to you for help, you're a leader. And so that qualifies everyone from a mom to a coach to a physical therapist to a boss to a manager. We are all leaders in our lives. We are always impacting and influencing everyone. So when when I talk about the leadership gap, I'm talking about every single person listening to this podcast. They are leaders. I believe within each of us are leaders, but we have to learn to lead from within. And I, I love the fact that you brought up, you know, whether you're a mom or whether you're, you know, working, because I think a lot of times, and, and I see this in the physical therapy world, a lot of times you have PTs who are moms at home and who are oftentimes overlooked for leadership positions because they're moms. I believe moms are the best negotiators in business. If moms um, have a business, they're the best at negotiating. They have a way of navigating through a problem that I've seen men can't do. So moms have an, an advantage, a competitive advantage. Yeah, I agree. And and there was we have a big conference every year, and there was a big conference in February, and there was a whole talk on this. And guess what? The room was sold out. People were sitting on the floor. So that's how much... People are yearning to get good leadership advice. And now I want to go back to, I love how you spoke about that to have, you want to have confidence and competence. What happens if someone's all confidence and no competence? Because you know that happens. So that's ego. And I have an acronym for ego, which means edged greatness out. If you're all about confidence and self-confidence, it comes across as arrogant, and then you don't have the kind of influence that you want to have. And so we have to have almost this brimming inner confidence where we know we can do something that comes from our capabilities and our competence. That is true confidence. That has ground. That has, I almost call it like a foundation. But just this ego, it's fleeting, People don't like it. People don't want to be around it. Yeah. And I feel like eventually people see through it too. It's, it ceases to be cute after a while, right? It comes across as arrogant and cocky and nobody really likes that. No, agreed. I couldn't agree more. Um, Now, 
there's another thing I'd like to talk about, and it's shadow traits. Yeah. So what are they? So the shadow traits are the gaps within each one of these archetypes. And those shadow uh, traits are gap they cause gaps within us. They you know when you're stressed out, when you're emotional, when you're um challenged, when you're tired, we tend to lean towards our shadow traits because that's almost our default. And then we end up not really liking how we act out. We don't really like how we sound. And we say, I can't believe I said that. And I can't believe I'm doing that. And so those are the shadow traits that tend to pop up when we're challenged or stressed. And what can people do? Because that can get ugly, right? Um, and in the, I feel like in this age of social media, when people are just firing things off, sort of randomly that if you, if someone kind of says something to you on social media and it's so easy just to fire something off, like you said, kind of coming from these shadow traits versus coming from a more thoughtful place. So what, what is your best advice for those situations? So I really believe, and I say this to my clients all the time, I just said this to a client today, let's say someone says something to you, it sometimes is more about them than it is about you. Not everything that someone says means that's who you are. And so when somebody's shouting at you and tweeting at you in a very angry way, because they're an angry person doesn't mean we have to fuel it and feed it. We don't have to partake of the drama. Sometimes there's a lot of drama out there in the world and we don't have to be a player in that play. We don't have to say, okay, I'm going to participate. And so when things are coming at you, sometimes I just say, watch it, watch it like a movie, but doesn't mean you have to take it in. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean too, that you have to engage in it either. No, I don't really believe in engaging anything that has really nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because then it just, like you said, just fuels the fire and then things get kind of out of control. Well, I don't think Twitter is the place to have arguments. No. And because, you know, your tweets are out there forever, right? Mm-hmm. It gets it gets logged in there forever. And I think I think there's a lot of lonely people out there that don't have people to listen to what they have to say. And I think they have a tendency to speak sometimes because they want to be heard and they want to be appreciated and they want to be seen. But, you know, I don't think Twitter is the right place to be angry or to, you know, you'll never find what I had for lunch, who I'm angry at, what I did. I really believe if you're going to speak in the realm of Twitter, just be of service to others and bring value and try to be inspirational and motivational. There's a time and a place for everything and we have to know what that is. Yeah. And I think you have to be very clear on your boundaries and, and how you want yourself, how you want to put yourself out there. Absolutely. And can you, so it sounds like these shadow traits are obviously tend to be more on the negative side, but can you take one of those shadow traits from being more negative to maybe being more positive and pushing you into the right direction. So let's take what we talked about before. So the rebel ha- is driven by confidence and the imposter is plagued by self-doubt. So you, so the shadow part is the self-doubt, is the imposter. 
So what I teach my clients to do is to learn to leverage it, to make it part of who they are. And I teach them all kinds of tricks and tools, how to leverage it in order not to have the self-doubt be the prominent voice of what they do, but it'll always be there. I don't think we need to dismiss them and say they don't exist. They do exist, but we have to find how we can live with them and make them that they serve us. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of reminds me of over the weekend, I went to a, a all day meditation retreat with Sharon Salzberg and kind of what you just said is what she does. Because even Sharon Salzberg has this little doubt of a person come in and she's named the person, that person in her mind. And what you just said, she doesn't try and completely block it out of her life, but she recognizes it. You have to, because think of life this way. Think of it if you have a balloon, right? And the balloon is filled up with all parts of who you are. And let's say on the right side, is all your strengths, and on the left side is all your weaknesses, right? And if you want to squish the left side of all your weaknesses, what happens? It's still there. It's still there. It just gets blown up on the other side. It just shifts. It just shifts. So we might be thinking we're squishing the weakness, but think about the balloon. It still gets expanded. It still gets blown up. It's still within us. And so that's why we have to recognize it. And Cheryl names it and Mm -hmm. I call leverage it. It's Mm -hmm. just a different way of doing things with your weakness. Exactly. And so do you have these shadow traits as well? I think I started it with saying that I recognize all of this and within myself. Absolutely. I'm a complete person. I, I have imperfections. That's what makes me human. Yeah, yeah, because I think oftentimes I know when when you look to people who are leaders or who are successful, you always think, well, that person has it all together. They don't. They they must not have any of the same problems that I have. Well, that's what's so great about this book. If you read, you will learn about Fortune 500 CEOs, and people say to me, "That's me, Lolly. I suffer from that." And I go, "Yeah." These are human beings. What's so great about this book, it's so universal, is it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or how old you are, from 18-year-olds to 90-year-olds will recognize themselves in these archetypes and say, that's me. I do that when I'm stressed. I do that when I'm when I'm in crisis. That, how did you know me? Because mm-hmm. we all do it. Karen, you and I, if we end up sharing many, many stories, we'll realize we're very much alike. We're not any different. We both have struggles. We both have challenges. And we try to do the best that we can with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I am I think that's such an important, I'm so glad that you tackle that in your book, because I think it's so important, because oftentimes people can feel a little alone or isolated as they look onto everyone else and think, oh, man, I don't have any of that. Do you know what I mean? Well, you know, part of the imposter syndrome is always comparing yourself to someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big mistake that we do for ourselves. We do ourselves a big disservice by looking over our shoulder and wondering, what is she doing? What is she doing? What is he doing? And when we do that, we lose energy within ourselves because guess what, Karen? There will always be someone wiser, smarter, thinner, better, prettier than we are or more handsomer than we are. That's the truth. And we have to stop looking outward 
and what let's let's go back to Aristotle and Socrates look inward that is where the treasure is that that's what Joseph Campbell talks about that's what Victor Campbell talks about that's what Jung talks about all these mm-hmm. these are all my mentors they've always said the same message look within don't look outside and the truth is we are so busy looking outside we're so distracted outside that we cannot take the time to look within and we do ourselves a disservice yeah, and there's so much noise out there, right? There's too much noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's so much noise that you're always looking at other things and not and not looking within yourself. Do you have any advice for people on let's say how to even get started at looking within themselves versus always looking outside? So I have a couple of rituals that I personally do. Yeah. So I'll share a ritual that I do every evening. So many years ago when I found that I was suffering from the imposter syndrome and having self-doubt, I was like, Lolly, what can we do about that? And so I started a ritual where every evening, when I first started it, I would keep a journal, but now I actually meditate on this. I don't really write things down. But I started this um, ritual, I think it was like 27 or 28 years ago, where I would ask myself at the end of the evening, Lolly, what did you do well today? What did you do that was really great? How did you make an impact today? How did you serve someone today? Who did you help today? And I would think of all the things that I did well. And after I did that, I was like, wow, that feels good. That feels really, really good. But that ritual wasn't complete until I did the second part. And the second part was, okay, Lolly, today you did some great things but what can you do tomorrow to be better than today? And what I found was by doing that second part of the ritual, I wasn't looking outside to see what anybody else was doing. I was looking within and I was only measuring myself against myself. It was lolly against lolly and I wasn't looking over my shoulder. And this little ritual did two things. Number one, it evened out all the negative messages in my mind. You don't do this. You can't do this. No, you're not good enough to say, well, well, last week I did this and today I did this. I can't be that bad. And the second part of that ritual keeps me from looking outward and it keeps me looking inward and it keeps me measuring only myself and reaching a like a higher potential, right? Taking myself to the next level, excuse me, to the next level and really learning how to pivot to unleash more greatness day after day after day. Yeah, I love it. I know what I'm going to start doing tonight. We've talked about the kind of archetypes of leadership and, and we know that there are good leaders out there. I mean, there's bad leaders. We know there's good leaders And we know that there are people who are considered great leaders. So how can one transition from a good leader to a great leader? I think it starts with having to choose greatness. When we choose greatness, then we take the higher standard of who we are. You have to think of it this way. Greatness is the leader that walks the extra mile where there's not that many people. It's the leader that serves you before they serve themselves. It's the leader that does things with excellence and never cuts corners. It's the leader that you trust before you learn to even know what trust is, right? They give you trust. They say, I trust you. It's the leader that speaks with candor, with truth, and doesn't deceive you. And it's the leader who's confident 
and knows about their competence. That's how you get greatness. This book, my book, is all about how you can unleash your greatness. But it just doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes time. But Karen, aren't we always a work in progress? Aren't we human beings that are always doing work. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be difficult. This is not a complicated subject. Doing a ritual at night of saying what you did well and how can I do better is a very enjoyable exercise. It makes you feel good about who you are. It makes you know that you make a difference in the world. And who doesn't want to know that? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And it sounds to me like doing some of this work, It's it won't feel like work, it'll make you happy. You know how people were getting very excited about emotional intelligence and what it can do for you? Yeah. Okay. This is even easier than that, and it will make you feel good on a daily basis. If you're looking to be grounded, if you're looking to have a clear mind, if you're looking to be the kind of person that people admire and are saying, wow, I want to be like her, right? Mm -hmm. Then this is the book for you because it teaches you to take the high standard. It teaches you to be excellent. It teaches you to be on point and purposeful and meaningful. And it gives you something to feel good about. But I have one more question for you. And it's a question that I ask all my guests. So that question is, knowing what you know now and where you are in your life, what would you say to your sort of new graduate self, however many years ago that was? So when you first graduate, whether it be from high school or from college, what advice would you give that girl or that woman knowing what you know now? So in the very beginning of my journey, when I was developing my business of who I am and what I was going to do in my life, my vocation, I was striving for perfectionism. I was striving to be perfect, the perfect consultant, the perfect mother, the perfect daughter, the perfect wife, the perf- everything to be perfect, perfect, perfect. And I was always disappointed in myself, Karen. I never felt that I was doing a good job. It was only when I realized that if I went for excellence instead of perfect, I could reach my goals. And so what I meant and what what came out of what I mean by excellence is, is that in any given moment, I have to be very present with whoever I'm spending that time with. If at the time I'm talking to you, Karen, I am fully present with you. I'm bringing excellence to this conversation. If I'm with my children, I'm bringing excellence to that encounter. If I'm with my clients, I bring the best of what I have to offer. And I always win. And so I had to learn that the hard way that perfect does isn't real. Yeah, and I think that is such great advice because I know that's something that I struggled with for a long time and that I often see other women struggle with is this idea of I can't put anything out into the world until it's perfect. There's no such thing. I didn't, there's no such thing as perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And that is phenomenal advice. Thank you for that. And now if people want to get your book, find out more about you, where can they go? To pre-order the book today, because there's lots of gifts and bonuses available right now, you can go to the leadershipgapbook.com. And, and I would say 
not only buy one book, but buy the book for every single person that you love, because then you can start speaking the same language. Think about it, the love language. This is the leadership language amongst yourselves and those you care about. And otherwise, you can find me at lollydaskell.com. And I'm present always on Twitter, on LinkedIn. I love connecting with people. So find me and talk to me and tell me what you think about leadership or what you thought about what we talked about today, because I'm always interested in what people are thinking. Yeah. And thank you so much. And for all of those listening, if you didn't have a pen and paper down to take notes, it'll all be in the show notes from this episode with links so you can click right through. No problems at all. Um, And so, Lolly, I just want to say a big thank you for taking the time out and coming on the podcast, because like I said, I've been a fan for, for quite some time. So thank you so much. Karen, I want you to know this was a great conversation. It was such a great pleasure, and it was a true privilege. Thank you. Thank you very much. And everyone out there listening to the podcast today, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you all have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.